Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? It's going well. I am in the Smokies on vacation. That's great. I am loving life this week. It, is, it has been a very, uh, very needed time. We don't take vacation in the summer because of best job. So our vacation times are in the spring and the fall, and unfortunately this year spring break fell uh, the week of Easter, which is not conducive when your wife works in a church. So right. we were not able to take a break then, and um, I've had maybe you know two or three days off here and there throughout the year, but this is the first time I've been able to really get away. So it's been it's been a very very nice week here in the Smokies. We got a cabin up in the mountains, um, and just just been able to to unplug and recharge for a while. That's great. Um, I I would say I'm very envious uh, of you getting this break, but now that you laid that whole thing out, and I we did the show where I was up in Canada and having a great time. You know, I guess everybody gets there. Yes, gets there. Are time. you a beach person or a mountain person? I I feel like there's only like two kind of people. Um, well, there's a third group of people, and it's people who like the beach and the mountains. <laughs> So you could just go I guess way. there's a I guess there's a fourth group. Maybe there's people who don't like either. But so you're a bivacational I I person. just love travel. I love travel and um when I was growing up, we always spent a week in the beach, uh spent a week in the summer at the beach and then we also would go to my dad's convention somewhere in the country to a city and we would, you know, visit that places there and then we had a weekend in the mountains every fall so we kind of would hit everything oh so you had everything best of both worlds yes you and miley all right okay well before we jump into this week's episode I want to thank our sponsor once again i am going the new book from authors danny aiken and bruce ashford they're calling today's church members to live lives of going where they're going around the world or to people right where they live going out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Between the two of them, Aiken and Ashford have trained thousands of men and women in both the mandates and methods for going to every nation. Now they have created a resource for individuals and churches to use together in calling even more to go. You can find out more about I Am Going at Lifeway.com or at your local Lifeway store. Amy, we're going to get to some news out of Southeastern here shortly, but big weeks this week at a lot of the entities, a lot of entities had trustee meetings, among them NAM. And before we get to the NAM trustee report, another piece of big news related to giving, the 2016 Annie Armstrong offering was the second highest Annie Armstrong Easter offering ever. Yeah, how about that? I saw that headline and thought, you know, we haven't even really been tracking this. We track CP, we track Lottie Moon, we're all, and, and you would almost think, well, if these things are are reaching sort of record numbers, then Annie Armstrong's going to suffer. It's going to cannibalize. But it didn't. A rising tide raises all ships, Amy. That that may be the most profound statement of today's entire episode. I don't know about all that. You, I'm not done yet, so uh, give okay. me time. All right. you, you missed my, my quote about bivacational earlier instead of bivocational. Oh, um, I j- Now you get well, it, yeah. Uh, now I get it. Well played. Yeah, that see, was that nice. one was better than, than this one. But anyway... $59 million, nearly $59 million, $58 million, dollars uh, given to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Uh, all of that goes to NAM for work here in North America and help planning churches, among a lot of other things. Uh, disaster relief, some of which is being used right now in the, uh, the aftermath of Hurricane Matthew. Uh, but just an incredible thing. And uh, Amy, uh, you know, I get your point of that it may cannibalize it. And you thought that that's possible. I get that. But I think... Partly people see, you know what, we've got to give more 
all over. Everywhere. We, we got to give more to yep. CP. We got to give more to Annie. We got to give more to Lottie. Everybody needs more resources to do the work of the kingdom right now, and and churches are stepping up. Yes, it's a it, it's a really great thing to see. It's nice to be sharing good news all the time. It is, and also we uh, we mentioned that they had a trustee meeting as well. Among the notes from the trustee meeting is a uh, a couple of personnel shifts. Uh, Clark Logan is moving over to the chief research officer. I was texting with him about that earlier. It's going to include some your regular research type stuff as well as some internal uh, analytics and research at NAM. And Carlos Ferrer, who's been the executive vice president, will add the title of chief financial officer to his role. Uh, also, they adopted a resolution congratulating Gateway Seminary on their move. We'll get to that here in just a minute, as well as uh, increase the NAM capital budget to allow for some needed maintenance and improvements at the Alpharetta, Georgia building, and a $10 million allocation from investment reserves for research and development that will allow NAM to test new ministry sites and approaches, especially in cities where access to ministry sites is limited. Uh, basically, being able to use that money to uh, facilitate both worship and ministry areas uh, in city areas that uh, they can't really find worship space for. So uh, some great stuff coming out of NAM and their trustee meeting. And one quote from Kevin Ezell I thought was very profound. Um, Kevin Ezell, very profound guy anyway. But yes. he, he mentioned to the trustees, and this is kind of crazy, Amy. If they serve an eight-year term as a NAM trustee, in that eight years, the trustee will have been a part of helping Southern Baptists start 10,000 churches. Because they're starting about... 1200 a year. Yeah. You In your eight-year term as a NAM trustee, the two four-year terms back-to-back that you're allowed to serve, you could see 10,000 churches started through that's the really work That's really incredible. That's really incredible. That's a big number. That that's a You're right. That's a pretty neat quote. That may be even more profound than the quote you just had about the rising tide. Quite, quite a bit more um, profound. Yes. Quite a bit. The idea that these trustees are doing that. You know, so sometimes we look at these trustees as just names on a list. We kind of raise our ballot. They do very, very important work. And this is just a statement that kind of captures that a little bit. All right. And we mentioned it earlier in this, uh, the resolution congratulating Gateway Symphony. They also held their grand opening and celebration. They had the Gettys there uh, last week, October 6th and 7th, had a huge thing, had a trustee meeting. And uh, the quote again from Jeff Orge, quote, we moved, period. Any questions? End quote. I mean, it, it, nice. that's it. That's the last six months and uh, just a yeah. hilarious. Jeff Forge, uh, a great job of leading that seminary through the transition from Northern California down to Southern California. They'd still maintain a, a place up in the Northern California area, but their main campus now down in uh, Ontario, California for Gateway Seminary. Yeah. Uh, just, a, just a great uh, report from them as well. Yeah, and obviously we've been tracking this story for a long time from the vote to approve their name change to just all these things, the last couple of meetings uh, to the move itself. But the story, uh, which we'll we'll put a link in the notes to the Baptist Press story, kind of wrapping up um, their trustee meeting, just gives you a picture of what the last year has looked like for them. Um, and it's just a lot of exciting stuff happening. Yep, opened on July 5th fully operational by August 10th. And uh, during that time, they got the library moved and completed in two weeks early. So that's all the books from the library in Northern California, boxed up, loaded on trucks, moved down, unpacked, unboxed, put back on the shelves in the right order. I'm not sure if they use Library of Congress or Dewey Decimal. You have to find that out for me, Amy. Um, uh, and then I'll see what I can do. Put back on the shelves. 
and That's everything back two weeks early. That's a lot of books. It was like crazy number of books that he was mentioning. Yeah, that uh, you have to wonder how many people it took to do that. A lot. Yes. Yeah, quite a bit. So congratulations to Dr. Jeff Orge and all the employees and students of Gateway Seminary on the big grand opening down there in Ontario, California. All right, big news coming out of Alabama this week. Jennifer Rash named the editor-elect of the Alabama Baptist newspaper, which I think would make her the first female Baptist paper editor at a, a major Southern Baptist paper. Yeah, so whenever uh, whenever that does take effect, that's that's a really big deal. And uh, Jennifer's great. She's very involved in the Baptist Communicators Association, so I've been um, around her some and yeah, emailed president. with her. Yes, uh, and she's just uh, very dedicated and uh, that works hard. So this is this is great news for her. Yeah, and she's been at the Alabama Baptist for 21 years, has been serving as the executive editor for the last six. I, it was the, the obvious choice. I mean, yeah. she has earned it. She is very well qualified. And Jennifer is a great choice to take over uh, once Bob Terry uh, leaves, whether that be retirement or whatever it may be in the future for him. So he's still yeah. finalizing those plans. So there's not really a timetable on this, but she right. is the heir apparent. And this is an exciting thing. Uh, you know, I'm around a lot of female students here, women. Uh, I mean, at, at Southeastern yesterday, we're, we're recording this on Thursday. So on Wednesday, we just had the first meeting of a group called the Society for Women and Scholarship. You have a lot of women who are training, uh, but maybe aren't, they're just taking different paths. When you look at folks like Jennifer Rash, you look at Taffy Hall, at um, the Southern Baptist Historical Library and Archives and uh, others like Selma Wilson. You know, you, you see a lot of different pathways uh, for women to use their gifts, and Jennifer's just another one of them. Yep, moving up to Louisville now, they also hosted a trustee meeting at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and approved Michael Haken to the faculty there, uh, along with some other business. Yeah, so Dr. Haken, when I was at Southern, uh, we brought him down, I think maybe to do, be a visiting professor, do some things. He was in Canada, but he really came kind of fully to Southern after I had left. Uh, I have tremendous respect for him. Uh, he's done a lot of work with uh, Dr. Nathan Finn, who's a good friend of ours, and so know um, and kind of appreciate Dr. Haken from afar. Uh, but he's been making contributions to Southern Seminary in some capacity, even as visiting professor or, or other things beforehand, for a long time. Uh, so that's very exciting. Great news for them. The trustees also heard a report from the budget from the 15-16 budget year. And Southern ended $4 million in the black uh, this past year. And uh, per SBC guidelines and the business and financial plan, that money is designated as reserves for the seminary's endowment. So uh, that kind of cycles back into uh, more student aid available for students, which right. is a good thing. And and I, I would agree with Dr. Moeller, his quote in here, we do see debt as the enemy of the Great Commission. So we're doing our best to keep that as low as possible, talking about student debt and how, how crushing that can be on seminary students. Yes. And uh, there's been a lot of study done about that lately. I've seen a documentary, I think, about it. I've seen some stories. Your about boss has written about it a lot. Yeah, just just seminary. Yes, about the the problem of debt, but we've also seen seminaries just in general um, talking more like ATS Associ Association of Theological Schools members that you have these students who are preparing for ministry and they get out and they can't do it because they they have to get jobs that will help them pay off their student loans. And one thing when you track all of these stories. 
uh, is all six of the Southern Baptist seminaries remain very committed to making that a rarity among uh, seminary students because the whole point of our training is to get them out on the field. And so that's a great service of the cooperative program of Southern Baptists, of donors to seminaries, of just building the um, endowments is, is to do everything we can to keep students uh, from having that barrier. And, and it's a huge difference in the Southern Baptist seminaries and in some others. All right. Another seminary trustee board meeting took place this week, Amy. I think you might have been involved in this one at the Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary in Wake Forest, North Carolina. Uh, just some notes. I'm going to hit the high points, Amy, and I'll let you de- um, go into the details here. Um, announced that record enrollment, 3,550 right. students. Right. And diversity on the campus had risen from 8% non-Anglo to 14.61% non-Anglo over the past six years. Uh, right. And you're looking to increase that every year. So almost doubled uh, the diversity of the student body, which is fantastic, and also yes. saw a record year for the Southeastern Fund, which raised more than $1.8 million and had more than 650 new donors give to the Southeastern Fund this past year. Also gave authorization for the feasibility study to determine the viability of a $26.5 million capital campaign uh, right. to build a new student center and uh, some other things with student academic aid and endowments. And finally, named Thabiti Anyabwile, uh, the senior pastor yes. of Anacostia River Church in Washington, D.C., as an interim board member to replace yes, Todd Jones. Yes, that's right. Very so, exciting. Tell us more about those, Amy. Well, it was just a great, I mean, it was a great week. You, you announced a lot of things that Dr. Aiken reported to the board. Um, we, we had a wonderful time with our Southeastern Society members. Some of them uh, were not able to come because of flooding in their areas. Uh, but because yeah, this hit right on the back of Hurricane Matthew. Yeah, yeah. It, it did. So it a was a lot of local trustees uh, at the seminaries in the Carolinas. Yeah, there. yeah. But uh, by Monday afternoon, most of them were able to get there, and uh, we just had a really great time, kind of celebrating what all uh, is is happening here. Uh, then in the meeting, you know, we didn't have quite the things like Gateway did talking about a move and stuff, but but d- preparing for this. Um, Proposed capital campaign um, was a was a big conversation, and then Thabiti Anyabwile, he's no no stranger uh, around here. He comes and and speaks in our chapel and at Nine Marks and things. So when uh, when you have a spot that opens up, and you know this being at an entity, when a spot opens up uh, in the middle of the year, kind of past nominating committee report time, and you've got to fill it. The board itself uh, names an interim, so the Bidianya Bule will be joining us in the spring, and uh, will be up for a, I guess, a re-election uh, in June, based on what the uh, the committee on nominations that's uh, suggests. correct. And 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 like that, Lifeway, we had a similar report this past year, uh, yeah. this past fall from our trustee meeting. We we put Matt Crawford and H B Charles, both from Florida, onto the board at Lifeway. So, and speaking of the Bidi. You also recently hosted the Nine Marks at Southeastern event. We talked about that a lot. Uh, finally, a, yes. a story coming out. More than 900 pastors, students, and church members attended this eighth annual Nine Marks conference at Southeastern, and uh, which featured Thabiti Anyabwile, among others. It did. We had a great time, uh, just a really full weekend. Um, and honestly, now I, I got to hear most of the talks, 
these are these are always interesting times when they come on a weekend because I'm there, our staff covers it, but I also have to kind of step away to give a ride to swim practice and then come back and then go to a Keith football game. Keith could reschedule his swim practice. <laughs> So one night I came on Friday night, I took Mary to swim practice and then we came back and, um, got to hear Tripoli. She was with me. Uh, but the Bidiana Buile was, uh, on Saturday morning and actually of all the sessions, he gave my favorite talk, uh, which I would highly recommend, um, people listening to. It was very good. It was talking about the importance of discipleship and not, um, not neglecting, uh, the discipleship of older women in the church because of the role that they play um, in reaching younger women, which then I talked to someone uh, from my church who asked the question, who are the older women in our church? And I had to admit that I am one of them. So yeah, it'd be like, it'd be like you and Kim. And you're both like not old. I mean, we, no, we're very much diversifying and there, there's a group, but if you were to say, let's take it at this percentage, I probably would tip over into that older bunch. So more experienced. Yeah. So that talk was for me. That was about me. Uh, but anyway, I, I thought it was fantastic. I loved it. He had a, um, a statement in there talking about our tendency to focus on very particular uh, stories and passages. And he said, the whole Bible is for the whole woman. And uh, Ooh, it was line. just, a, and so it was just a very uh, affirming and encouraging talk. So I really appreciated that, but the whole weekend was great. All right. Well, and then you cried yourself to sleep Saturday night after realizing that you're the old woman in your church. I'm used to it. Now headed up to Alaska and a recap of their state Baptist Convention meeting that was held a couple weeks ago. The story just got published this past week in Baptist Press. Randy Covington was celebrated as the new executive of Alaska. He's the new executive director up there. Started that role back in May and has been traveling across the state for listening sessions uh, in what he calls a chance to renew a sense of understanding of the needs of the churches in Alaska. Randy is an Alaskan native and uh, has served up there in the past and, and now leads them and the $1.4 million budget uh, that was approved by the Alaskan Baptists uh, for their state Baptist convention. And they also elected Brian Myers as the new president of the convention. We should go up there and cover that state convention sometime. You should send me to cover it for the podcast because I love Alaska. Yeah, uh-huh. I bet you you just like going north. You 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 would do well up in the the Great White North. Love I would love Canada. it. Send me to Canada. Send me to Alaska. I would love it. Yes, uh, we'll talk whenever it's like minus twelve, and see how much you love it up there. I just wouldn't leave the house. Just yeah. So, so now that we're getting these convention stories, Amy, we're gonna have to start watching the CP percentages. A lot of the ones from the the New Work or Frontier states uh, don't change too much. And Alaska will remain at 37%, uh, moving on to national and international missions and ministries for the 2017 budget. Yeah, yeah. Well, so we'll have more coming. This is really just kicking it off. Um, that's what we do in the fall is cover all the state convention meetings. And uh, so that's just beginning it uh, for the year. Yeah, and I think this is the first story we've had from a state Baptist convention. I know some others have been held but this is the first story I've seen. I think Colorado, I know, has been held. Minnesota, maybe the Northeast Convention, uh, the one New England. I mean, not Northeast, New England. 
but I, this is the first story I've seen about this one, so we'll have to keep an eye out on those, and we'll be reporting those hot and heavy, I know, later in October and November, because uh, they really start ramping up uh, late in October and into the first part of November. Finally, the Chinese Baptist Fellowship adopted a new ministry focus and uh, also a added a referendum on same-sex marriage to their bylaws, uh, basically saying that uh, they do not support same-sex marriage. They're going to hold to the biblical view of marriage and put that in the bylaws as to uh, not leave any doubt on where they stand. Uh, The meeting took place in Vancouver, British Columbia, on September 27th to 29th and was bilingual. They were doing it in Mandarin and English. Yeah. I'm sure they probably have different generations um, Mm -hmm. with uh, kind of fluency, so... That's great. Just one other note about that. Benny Wong of the First Chinese Baptist Church of Los Angeles was elected president by acclamation, and we wish them all the best. It's always encouraging to get news out of our ethnic-based Baptist fellowships. Uh, we have a few of those. We, we talk about those at the annual meeting every year. Uh, they all have meetings and everything, so good to hear something outside of that from them. All right, that'll move us on to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. Well, so I, I don't know if you would say this is like an actual event well, in is SBC it, history. Is it actually Southern Baptist? Because last week, I mean, you were... Right. No, it is Southern Baptist. Okay. It's just a, it's a story. It's a Baptist press story that ran in 1984 that I just, I just wanted to talk about. It's about a, a clown minister <laughs> at, <laughs> at okay. First Baptist, Alexandria, Virginia. Oh, wow. So um, this is that headline, the, though. Yeah, clown minister considers clowning serious business is the headline. Stop clowning so, around. Yeah. Oh, so what's Carol great? Phipps, that's her name, Carol Phipps, and it's so close to Carol Pipes. Yes. I know, I know our friend Carol Pipes, who did like, puppet ministry and all this stuff. So she was singles and youth minister, and she had been kind of doing clown stuff for a while, but then she. It says she was asked to clown her testimony, and now she considers herself a clown minister. So, I, I just, Jonathan, I don't really have a reason, except that people are talking about clowns all the time, and I just saw the story and needed to share it. That's it. That's all, that's all I got. We've been doing serious stuff the last few weeks. Last week, it was William This Carey. is far from it. We're talking about clowns all the time, and it all started this week in SBC history. That's what I got. Okay, there's some great stuff in here. I wish I wish <laughs> I Carol know. was still around. I would love to hear Carol's take on this. I don't know if Carol's still around or not, but um, she's a graduate who was a graduate of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Yes. And uh, you mentioned that she was a minister of education, youth, and students. She was doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, was in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, where the what is Amy? Um, I don't know. Little where League is World it? Series, Williamsport, Pennsylvania. You should oh, know these things. Sorry, your Didn't dad. Know that. Your dad is very upset about that. Um, but her and her roommate started a. Or her roommate's name is Karen Heath. They began a freelance clowning ministry called ETS, uh, not the Evangelical Theological right. Society. Which, right. the way some things are going at ETS, you might say that it is turning into a clowning ministry. But no comments. <laughs> okay, I'm joking. It's seminary professors that that. Please don't write those letters. Uh, but they called it Equipping to Serve and Entertaining the Saints. So her and her roommate started a clowning ministry at, so for churches, I, camps, retreats, yeah. and hospitals. Amazing. So I'm just, yeah, just going to drop the story in the show notes. I think people just need to read this, that clown ministry is 
serious business. I, Not to make light of things that are happening in the news, which I think are horrible. With the clowns? And, I, and I'm also really scared of clowns. Yes, you I are. Loved, I loved clowns until I was in the ninth grade and I watched um, Stephen King's It, that miniseries, and I've been afraid of them ever since. But there's a great... so. Growing up, my uh, a teacher, friend of my family, uh, was a clown, and now he's a world-class magician, but he was a clown for a long time. And his son, who I used to babysit, is a stand-up comedian now, Nate Borgatzi, and he has a um, complete comedy routine, very clean comedy, on, it's called Yelled At by a Clown, and it's all about his childhood and what it was like being the child of a clown. So that's my bonus resource of the week. That's not my resource of the week, but I do recommend Nate Bargatze's album. Thank you for that, Amy. Um, bringing a little levity to the podcast. So last week was William Carey being sent off as a missionary. This week, clowns. Send in the clowns. All right. Thanks again to our sponsors. I am going the new book from Dr. Danny Aiken and Dr. Bruce Ashford. Uh, you can pick that up at lifeway.com or any other online bookseller. And that's going to bring us to our resource of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is... My resource is the new cooperative program calculator. This thing is fascinating. I love it. I was playing with it a couple weeks ago, um, and I was putting in every state, like states, I, every state I'd lived in, everything. So you can go to this. Uh, you choose your state convention. So, for example, I'm looking at it right now as we're talking, and I'm going to North Carolina. Right. And I'm then gonna, I, you I'm put pull it up too. Yeah. I'm going to put $1,000 in. Yeah. And then you put how much you would like to give and it calculates for you based on the cooperative program allocation. So this would be like at your church. It's a, it's your church says, we're going to give this much. It'll tell you how it will break down. Then now you got to look, you, there are two well, you're tabs. You're 60, 40 state. Yeah. There are two tabs where you go to the North Carolina Baptist tab and it tells you how that's going to break down for North Carolina ministries. Then you click on Southern Baptist Convention and it gives you that tab. So then you get to see that if my church gave $1,000, um, then you then the IMB would get $201.64. If my church gives $10,000, then... We're just moving the decimal, folks. But $2,000 basically goes to the International Mission Board and all the way all the way down. So then you would see a $911 would go to NAM, $886.40 would go to uh, the seminaries, $66 to the ERLC, $119.60 to the SBC operating budget. So you get to see how it breaks down on the totals. Uh, at your state convention and the national level. Well, that's such a great, a great thing for people to, to get to see and understand. Yeah, what's more fascinating, I think, sometimes, though, is the state breakdown. So not only what the national entities are getting, um, switch over. One of them that, that breaks it down well, North Carolina doesn't really break down the states that well. It just gives them big categories. Uh, switch over to Louisiana, Amy. And if you look at Louisiana, my home state, uh, $1,000. Uh, $415 of that stays with the state mission services. I guess that's just general operating for the state. 149 of that thousand goes to Louisiana College. $22 of it goes to the children's home. And then uh, the Baptist message, the state paper, gets $22 of every $1,000 uh, that it is yeah. that is given. So um, just it, it breaks it down like everything that goes on in the state. Tennessee is another one like that that has the breakdowns. And it, actually it breaks down because Tennessee has a couple of 
uh, colleges and adult home, which I did not know existed. The Tennessee Baptist yeah. Adult Home gets $8 of every thousand. Uh, Carson Newman and Union both get $64 each. And uh, Harrison Chilhoe. Chilhoe. Chilhoe Academy. Academy. I don't mm-hmm. know what that is. Amy, tell me what, what is that? I've never heard of that. Um, I believe it's a high school. Okay. I'm trying to remember. I, and the reason I know this is because I think they have sports that it's yeah Harrison Chilhoe Baptist Academy. It was it's a it was a day and boarding school, a uh, private school, and in Seymour, Tennessee. And I remember because when I would file eligibility reports every summer, I would file one for them. Okay. All for right. high school sports when yeah. I worked for my dad. Mm-hmm. Well, so yeah, so some of the states break it down a little bit more than others. Some of them just have like the big general pots of where things are going. Uh, Alabama's like that as well. I was just checking a couple of them earlier. Um, let me flip over here to Georgia. Georgia just breaks it down into extension versus convention. So not a lot of breakdown from Georgia. Uh, you'd have to delve into the um, the actual budgets from them. Florida's the same way, just breaks it down into two. I'm just looking for a couple others that may break it down um, a little bit. You know, Baptist State Convention of Michigan, it just has one line. So. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just trying to flip through here to see if any of the other ones break it down like that. But uh, a couple of the conventions do a little bit better of breaking it down. Oh, here we go. Uh, Indiana, um, $117 of every thousand goes to executive services, $35 to evangelism and prayer, 123 to mobilization, equipping and communication. Highland Lakes gets $99 and uh, church planning gets 55. Business and administration get 173. So uh, basically knowing the structure of the Indiana convention, those are the main departments that they have in the state. So uh, that's kind of how their budget is broken down yeah. and the percentage is there. So uh, that gives you the, uh, the the breakdowns of the state amounts. Um, and also, you know, it, it also gives you that breakdown of what stays in the state and what goes out, not just how it's used in the state or how it's used at the national level, but uh, what goes where. That Well, it's a great resource. Um, I enjoyed looking around on it and uh, everyone should give it a Give it a whirl. Yep, and NAM, they, they mentioned this in the NAM trustee report. They uh, helped develop this along with the SBC Executive Committee and got this up and running. Uh, we'd heard about it a few weeks ago at the Executive Committee meeting, uh, but now it's just being kind of announced by NAM. Uh, but we encourage you to check that out. Check that out in your own state. And, um, you know, know where your money's going that you're sending to the cooperative program. We've seen increased giving, which is fantastic, but it's always good to know where that giving is going. And, yes. Uh, you can do that with the new website, the CP Calculator from the SBC and NAM. All right, my resource of the week is going to be the Evangelicals for Life Conference uh, coming up this January. January. It will be hosted again in Washington, D.C. This is a joint effort of the ERLC and Focus on the Family. Uh, It kind of goes along with the March for Life and the dates for the Evangelicals for Life event are January 26th to 28th in 2017. You can register at evangelicals.life. Uh, they got all the information about all the people who will be featured in speaking there. Everybody from uh, Dr. Moore to Sammy Rodriguez, Charmaine Yost, Eugene Cho, uh, Ben Mitchell, uh, Paige Cunningham, uh, Glenn Packiam, uh, as well as Kelly Rosati, Al Moeller, and Matt Chandler. So some great names, some great speakers at that, so won't want to miss that one. It's a three-day event that sandwiches around the March for Life, which is on January 27th, that Friday. Uh, that's an 11 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. March uh, for Life, and that's at the mall in Washington. So uh, if you're interested in that and all the things going on with the pro-life movement, that will be a great event to attend this January, just uh, just a few days after the inauguration. 
Yeah, it'll be a really interesting time in Washington. All right, well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Amy, another uh, good week in the SPC. Get some news coming. Like you mentioned earlier, we'll be seeing a lot of those state convention reports coming up. I am headed to the Tennessee State Convention this year in the middle of November. I don't think I'm going to make any other ones. Dr. Rainer's only speaking at one this year. I've done some videos for some others. So are you going to be able to make it to the North Carolina one? I will. uh, The... It's overlapping that the same week as ETS in San Antonio, and so we'll actually be at the North Carolina Convention in Greensboro as long as we can before we have to get on a plane. So uh, I, I won't get to be there for the entire thing, but as much as we're able. All right. Well, that sounds good. And we encourage you, be involved in your local state convention. Check out the dates for that. Go to the state convention be a part of the process. Uh, the SPC doesn't just happen two days in June every year. Uh, it's a 365-day year effort, and we encourage you to be involved in that year-round. And uh, once again, thanks for listening to us, and we'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>